John chapter 11, verse number 32. And I'm going to read a few verses, pray one more time, and then we'll jump into the message. John chapter 11, verse 32, reading from the very holy anointed iPad in my hand. Appreciate the laughs. Then when Mary came where Jesus was, and she saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. And he said, where have you laid Lazarus? Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. I just want to pause right there. If you don't know a lot of scriptures, don't know how to memorize verses, just memorize that one right there. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. What? Know a lot about the Bible. <laughs> Jesus wept. What? Boom, hit you in the face. <laughs> and Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Haters always got some comments, don't they? Make some comment on your photo. Haters gonna hate. Could not this man who, who healed blind people, couldn't he save his friend Lazarus? Want to preach a message today if you're writing notes down. I want you to write down the title. It's called, It Happened One Night. It Happened One Night. I'm gonna pray one last time before I preach and just cover this time in prayer. Father, thank you for everybody that came today. Bless them, speak to them. Thank you that you're with them. God, we are believing for a special day and bless those who are getting baptized. And God, as we pray every week, we pray for the Lakers, God. We need you, Jesus. God, I'm also getting generous. I, I bless the Clippers today, God. Lord, I know there's some Clipper fans in our church, and we're going to bless them as well. God, thank you that just, I don't care if it's the Clippers or the Lakers, let the glory come to L.A. in Jesus' name. And everybody said, we're getting generous, church. We're getting generous. By show of hands here, just, just so we're on the same page. Uh, show of hand, if you've ever had something bad happen to you. Let me just see your hand. Have you ever had something bad happen to you? Okay. This is, this could be a whole uh, vast array of things bad that could happen to you. You could, uh, you know, get a flat tire. You could stub your toe in your house in the dark at night in your house. You could have kids that throw things at your face. That's what happens to me a lot. Um, you could, you could have all kinds of different bad things. Bad varies. Bad, bad is, is all over the place. Bad it was bad to some. It's not that bad to others, but it just, it's bad things that happen. I got to tell you, it is a miracle that I am in church today. Yesterday, I made one of the dumbest mistakes I've made in a long time. I was coming back from Canada. Shout out to the all-star game, Drake and J Joseph Bieber. But um, I was coming back from Canada. And, um, and as I'm on my way back, I had a connecting flight in Canada. So I had checked my bag because the lady, maybe you would never choose to check your bag. And um, I had checked my bag and I was coming back and I, I just, I didn't think anything of it. I don't travel a fair bit. I didn't think anything of it that I needed to get to my next gate. I saw a Starbucks and I needed a coffee. So I just went to the Starbucks. I sat down and we were chilling there. Uh, Chase, who was traveling with me, a legend in our church. And we were just chilling out. And, and it dawned on me when I looked at the clock after a long time of sitting there that it is time to board the flight. It's time to get on the flight. So I looked at my boy, I said, hey, man, it's, you know, it's time to get on the flight. We should get on the flight. I said, what gate are we at? And, and I, we didn't know what gate. So we had to go to the screens. You look for your flight. And we 
we found our flight and, and we were in the wrong terminal. So we went to go journey to the, to the next terminal and our flight's boarding. So we got to get to the gate. And when we couldn't find it, we finally found a, 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 an attendant. We said, hey, we cannot find, where is B-40? B, we got to be at B-40. Our flight is boarding. She said, well, oh, you have to go through customs. It's outside of the building and you're going to have to go out and get, um, get, you know, get through customs. When you hear the word customs, customs and the DMV are the same thing. Am I preaching to anybody today? I hate both of them. And she's like, I had a small little panic attack. Now, when you have a small little panic attack, you try to act like everything's fine. <laughs> but you're having a low-key panic attack. I was like, hey, let's just, um, let's run. We were all running through the airport. I was running through the six. I was running through the six. Oh, my gosh. With my wow. I was running, man. I'll tell you, we got to the customs and, and, and I fill out the form as fast as I can, not even correct information. I don't even know the stuff that I'm putting down. I give it to the guy and the guy, the people at the customs were like, you cannot go through customs. You can't go because your flight's already boarded. It's, it's leaving. And I, and I, I low-key panic attack, big smile. The, the more scared I get in life, the bigger I smile. <laughs> and I was like, oh gosh, oh. Can I just try? And the guy's like, nope, we've been told you cannot get through customs. You just, man, I was panicking. Finally, I just convinced this guy, please, I will run as fast as I can. He led us through the customs. We ran with our bags. We went through all the way B. B-40 is a long way away, by the way. We ran all the way to B-40. They luckily led us on the flight. I had to leave my bag in Canada, but I left my issues there too. And we got down to LA. Come on, somebody. Are you grateful that you can sometimes just make it work? It was almost a bad thing that, that happened to me that was self-inflicted. <laughs> but I just, I, I want to tell you, life happens. In life, things are going to happen. I've always believed that life is not about what happens to you. Life's about how you respond what happens to you. And I love this story in John chapter 11. John chapter 11 tells a beautiful story of Jesus. Now, just so you can understand the characters in this story, we have Jesus and his dear good friend, his BFF, so, so to speak, Lazarus. Now, again, we do not know a lot about the life of Jesus, his friends, what he really did a lot, but the Bible it, it, it alludes to the fact that this guy, Lazarus, was close to him, so close that when Lazarus, his friend, passes away, Martha and Mary, Lazarus' sisters, they send note to Jesus, and to get him to come and help Lazarus' death, they just simply put in a note, Jesus, the one whom you love is dead. That was enough to solicit Jesus' emotion to go, the one I love is dead? My boy, my friend, my family is gone? That was enough to get Jesus' attention. Jesus packs up his bag and he begins to go to go see his friend Lazarus. Now, by the time Jesus shows up on the scene to see his friend Lazarus, Lazarus had been dead for four days. I just want to give you an FYI. If you've been dead for four days, you really dead. You's dead, dead. You's de you stinky dead. You're dead. Four days he has been dead. Four days, Jesus, it took him to get to his friend. By the time he shows up to help his friend Lazarus and Mary and Martha, the sister is so overwhelmed with frustration that Jesus wasn't there and wasn't present and wasn't available 
that watch what the sister says to Jesus, the friendship, the, the closeness. Listen to her words. She goes, Jesus, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. That's friendship. That's closeness. That's, that's a relationship. She's, she's basically saying, like, it's your fault here. Now, scholars tell us and theologians believe that the reason why Jesus let four days pass, I love this about Jesus. Jesus let four days pass, not one, not two, not three. Jesus let four days pass because most people believed in this context that once a person had been dead past three days, no spirit could enter into their body to revive them. So four days was proof that God was on the scene and God can bring resurrection. So Jesus let it, come on, sometimes you got to remember your time is different than God's time. God's always got the ability to resurrect what's dead in your world, what's dead in your dream, what's dead in your marriage, what's dead in your soul. Come on, anybody believe one word from Jesus and what's death can come to life. Jesus shows up and, and, the, and the sister says, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Listen to the angst of her soul. Listen to the frustration and how overwhelmed she is saying, this is your bed. And she begins to weep. And the Bible actually says that the other Jewish people that are with them begin to weep. It is a weeping session. Now watch what Jesus says. Instead of him looking at these guys saying, don't cry. It is I, Captain Jesus. Watch what Jesus does. Jesus hears them crying and his friends crying. And John eleven thirty five, 35, the verse we can put to memory, it says, Jesus wept. This is friendship. This is compassion. That God knows the beginning and the end. He knows he's about to heal him. He knows he's about to resurrect. But God is saying, I am so compassionate that when you hurt, I hurt. That when you go through pain, I actually feel your pain. Even though I know I can solve it. Even though I know I'm the solution. Even though I know I'm the life and the resurrection. That when you're going through pain and you're going through weeping, I'm just going to pause a little bit and come close to you. And I'm just going to cry with you. Anybody thankful today that our God doesn't just solve problems, but he actually comes close. And come on, church. Anybody thankful today that he weeps with those that weep and mourn with those who mourn. And I got to be honest with you. This is what I love about Jesus. That in your event, maybe you have had little mess ups in life like a bruised toe or a flat tire or a bag that got stuck in Canada. But I will tell you that when you experience death and you experience divorce and you experience sickness, whatever you face, our God actually has the power to come close to you and to heal you and help you. I just, I, remember, it's not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. It's about you sending a letter to Jesus saying, I need you to come near. I need you to come help us. I need you to come to my house and my business and come to my soul and come to my reality. You know, it starts with you being honest, saying, I need you, Jesus. I'm just going to give you a few thoughts to write down to encourage you today. And write down the first one. Number one, I love this because you got to be honest. Number one, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. Ain't nothing worse than somebody that has a, ble a bleeding elbow, a bruised knee, a, ga a gouge on their eye, and you ask him, you okay? Yeah, 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 I'm way good, man, I'm way good. I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good. What, 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 what? I'm good. And it's like, nah, bro, you, um, you're bleeding. You got something going on in your world. I really believe that we serve the God that is big enough to handle our honesty, that God wants you to be real. I, I will just encourage you with this. You know that everybody in the Bible went through struggle. 
Everybody in the Bible had some pain. Come on, Abraham had to struggle with embarrassment, waiting for years and years for his son to show up. Noah had to deal with the embarrassment of building an ark in the middle of his town while there was no rain. What about people like Elijah, where Elijah was the only prophet that was left standing for God and all the other false prophets belittled him and made fun of him? What about Jonah? Jonah found himself in the belly of a whale. And even after he fulfilled the call of God in his life, he was filled with depression because what happened is exactly what God said was going to happen, which was exactly what he didn't want to happen. But all throughout the Bible, whether it's Jacob or Rahab, whether it's David who had failure, whether it's Solomon who struggled with women, it doesn't matter who it was in the Bible. Every one of God's people throughout the Bible, they all had struggle. Now I'll just say that if, if they struggled, we're going to struggle. But you know, God can't handle your struggle until you bring it to him. God can't handle your pain or help you with it until you bring it to him. I know for us, our struggle really began in I can be honest with you, as a pastor's kid, I grew up in a great home and my parents are awesome. I have a wonderful dad, he's a pastor. I have a mom, she's Mexican and she immigrated to the United States when she's 14. Please do not call the migra on us, we are good. We straight. And, uh, and my mom, I have the best parents and I grew up with a great life. And up to this point in my life, I had never really had major struggle. I had never had major pain. I hadn't lost anybody. I hadn't had any traumatic experiences yet. But I will never forget just four years ago when our daughter on April 10th, just four years ago, when we sat down with the doctor and the doctor showed us and slid a piece of paper across the desk and said, this is the diagnosis for your child. Now you have to understand, it's pivotal that you understand that she was four months. Because when she was born and you have your firstborn, you're nothing but elated. It's the first Instagram post, Valencia filter. It is, it, it's, it's, it's the first everything. It's, hey, it's a great filter. And, um, and it's the outfits and it's the showing off and it's the first time to church and it's, it's, it's taking them, you know, she was born in December. So we're Christmas shopping and, and, and the joy, we were on the mountaintop of joy as parents. And so the cliff was so steep when the diagnosis came and the doctor said, I'm sorry, your daughter has, we didn't, we had never even heard this word before. Listen, Cephaly. In, in smooth terms, this is called smooth brain. All of our brains have fold all throughout, folds and ridges all throughout our brains. Our daughter's brain is completely smooth. It did not develop. In other words, she has no brain. And so the doctor told us, please, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but your daughter, she will never walk. She will never crawl. She will never roll over. She will never live to this many years. She will ne never develop past this many months. She will never, she will never, she will never. And basically that day slid a death sentence across the desk. I just want to tell you today, Doctors do not have the last say. Come on, anybody believe that Jesus has the last say? Come on, anybody believe in the great physician today? And I will tell you, when that report came to us, that, that diagnosis day, I can tell you that is single-handedly the worst day of my life. And I had to, as a human, I had to come to grips with the struggle I couldn't act like everything was fine. I couldn't act like, oh, oh, it'll be good, it'll be good. My wife's crying, my child's sick. I'm driving my, my family home and I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh God, oh, oh my gosh, what just happened? What is, what is, what, what just happened? What did they just, and I had to come in honesty to God. 
that this struggle is real. Please hear me today that God actually desires you to be honest with yourself. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 51, it's going to come on the screen, that God desires us. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. That you got to start being honest with yourself before you can be honest with others. I had to be honest with my pain and my grief. I had to be honest with my sorrow and my disappointment. I had to literally say, I am so overwhelmed. I am in over my head. And for the first time in my life, can I be honest with you? I had to ask people to pray for me. I had to say, this struggle is real. It starts with you being honest. It starts with you being real. I am addicted. I am in depression. I do not want to keep going. I do want to quit on my marriage. I do want to quit on this dream. Come on, God can't work with you being unhonest with yourself or him. Sometimes you got to just say, it is a struggle and it is real, but I know that even though the struggle is real, so is my God. Something about just saying... You know, I don't know who, who taught us this, that we had to bring our best to God. We serve the God that says, bring me your worst. Bring me your emotions and, and the sense of being frustrated and, and overwhelmed and, and feeling like you want to quit. I can work with that, but I cannot work with a false you. I cannot work when you pretend like everything's okay. When you and I both know it is not okay. You are not okay. This is not okay. Where you're going is not okay. God has to work with honest people. And so I will say this out of our experience. The struggle is real. Whew, but I love number two. The struggle is real, but so is the medicine. So is the medicine. The struggle in your life may be real, but let me encourage you, as real as your pain is, as stronger is your God. And you may be going through something that feels like hell on earth, but I can tell you this medicine, the medicine from heaven. It, you know, I have a friend and he's a great golfer, unbelievable golfer. I aspire to one day hit one golf shot as good as he hits all of his golf shots. And he's just an, he's a freak golfer. He's just unbelievable. Played college golf. And he tells me this story. It's a really tragic story to me. Talented young man, incredible golfer, going to PGA, playing with all the PGA players on a trajectory of greatness. And while he's golfing, he, he, he attains this, this back problem. Now, in order to keep going in tournaments and keep playing and keep his scholarship, he begins to take medicine so that he can at least play the round and cope with the issue of back pain and still hit the golf ball. Now, this goes on for a number of months, which turns into years and years and years of an addiction to a pain medicine, a medicine that would just for a moment bring relief that just for a round, ease the pain. Or let me say it this way, numb the issue. What I love about God is God's medicine, and when we come to him, it doesn't numb the pain. When you come to God, it heals the pain. We don't serve a God that just wants to help you limp along or re require you to just, you know, come to me and I'll give you a fix. No, our God, he heals the wound. He heals the issue. He touches your soul. He touches the relationship. He touches your mind. Anybody thankful today that we serve the great physician and he is the real medicine that we need for our soul. Somebody at 11 a.m. ought to give God a little bit more thanks and a little bit more thanksgiving. Come on, anybody thankful today that we serve the great physician. God doesn't want to keep you needing him so he can give you a little fix. No, we need him and celebrate him because he already healed us. He already solved the issue. He already brought the peace that surpasses all understanding. He already gave us the joy of the Lord. He already came through in the clutch. So we say, God, you are our medicine. 
Let me say, pain is a reality. Pain is relative, but Jesus is a reality. Your pain, can I encourage you? Your pain that you're going through, it's not better or worse than your neighbor's pain. You can't look around the room and go like, well, what you're going through is not as important as what I'm going through. I, I, I'm going through this and I know you just, you had a breakup, but look at what I'm facing. I don't think that's the way God sees you. I think that what God, how God sees you is John 11. He says, if you weep, I weep. If you're in pain, I'm in pain. And I don't want to just give you a little bit of medicine so it can just keep you keep on needing me. No, I'm going to heal the issue. I'm going to get down in the dirty work. Can I, can I, can I tell you, this is a praise report. I, I, I know that diagnosis day four years ago, April 10th, it was the worst day of my life. And we went through hardship. And I could tell you, I was really just rattled for a while. And it took me a while to grab my footing. And I, I was thinking about on, on the plane home last night, I was thinking about this photo that I have. I almost put it up. It's a photo of, of, of me and a couple friends at an, at an altar in a church service. And just like this right here at the altar. And I, I remember, you know, that one of them has their hand up and the other one has their hand up and I'm in the middle and I'm sobbing my eyes out and I'm sobbing and I'm sobbing. And you know, maybe they're praying for their church and maybe the other's praying for their family, but I was just broken. I, my heart was in my socks. I, I didn't know how to be a dad in this. I don't know how to be a husband in this. I was, I was in, I could cry on a, there'd be a commercial for AT&T. Oh Jesus, AT&T, oh God. Oh, AT&T so good, God. I love it. God, I need more data. Just cry at a, just drop of a hat. Can I tell you four years later, I do not have the wound that I had from this day. I have been healed by the blood of the lamb. I can look at my daughter. I can go to the emergency room and I can hold my head high because I didn't get a little bit of medicine that kept me addicted. I got healed by Jesus. Come on, is there anybody thankful today that though the struggle is real, the med come on, you ought to give them some praise today if you believe that this medicine will heal your soul. So write down number three, don't get bitter. Get better. You know, you, you, your struggle's real. I hear you loud and clear. I got issues of my own. But we got a medicine that can heal our soul. So that's why you don't have to get bitter. You might be going through divorce right now. Don't you, don't you get bitter. You might be a single parent and you're having to struggle to make ends meet. Don't you get bitter. You might be going through something and you've gone to audition after audition and you're trying to chase the dream of LA. Don't you get bitter because you keep getting rejected. No matter what you're going through, you got to refuse bitterness and you got to choose to get betterness. It's your decision. It is your choice. You can come out of these things scathed and, and broken and bruised and, and you know, you got a bitter beer face for the rest of your life and you look like you angry at the world. Just angry. What's wrong? I don't know. I'm angry. What happened to you? Last my bag in Canada. Ah. What happens? Who hurt your feelings? Just so mad, like, oh, God, you're so harsh with people. Those are people that have stuff happen to them. And they make the decision to get bitter when they could have gotten better. Don't you take the bait of Satan. The bait of Satan always lures you into saying, you know what? You should look at him and say, where were you, Jesus? Where, why, why didn't you help me? Why didn't you watch out for me? My brother's dead because of you. And, you know, so often it's easier to shift the blame on people in our world. Maybe you're mad at your parents. 
Maybe you're mad at an old boss. Maybe you are upset with a coach or a teacher or a friend that stabbed you in the back and betrayed you. But I can tell you that that is the bait of Satan to lure you into bitterness and you'll actually get worse in your soul. But when you actually choose the God way and the God path, God will heal your heart and you can actually rise up in victory and you can literally get better from your circumstances. Those are the kind of people that God uses. I can tell you that your struggle is a pathway to your success. And if you just say, you know what? The struggle is real. I went through some, some, some stuff, but I believe that my pain is going to be my platform. I believe that what God did in my life, I'm going to tell on God. I'm going to let everybody know what God did in my world, and I'm going to brag about God. I can tell you God has used the story of our daughter, and God has used the story of my beautiful, wonderful wife, who is a caretaker of a four-year-old. God has used my wife and our daughter, all because we just said, we're not bitter, we're getting better. And we're pointing people to hope. He's been our hope. You should just choose him. He can be your hope too. Come on, anybody believe that about God? He can be your hope. Now, you got to understand something about hopeful people. Hope is not hype. We're not hopeful because we're like hoping and wishing something happens. Hope is built on facts and evidence. That I am surveying the facts. He's always faithful. I am surveying the evidence. The evidence has found God to be faithful and true. So because of the evidence and the facts, I hope in God. I don't hope in a doctor alone or medicine alone. I hope in the name of the Lord. And I hope, listen, I got I to gotta encourage you. You, you, you got to get better from this stuff because if you get bitter, it will only be because you believe that God couldn't turn around what the enemy intended for, for evil. God could turn around for the good. I always think about Joseph. Joseph in the Bible. This great man of God in the Bible. It's a beautiful story about a man that experiences betrayal and rejection. Maybe you can relate where you've been betrayed by somebody in your world or you've been rejected by others. And he experienced betrayal and rejection. And finally, at the end of his life, in Genesis 50, he reveals his perspective on his betrayal and his rejection. Watch what he says about what the enemy tried to do in his life. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for the good. There's something about a hopeful person that says, I can believe God will turn around what is meant for evil. He'll turn it for good. I know I've got a diagnosis of a daughter, but I know the enemy. Listen, sickness is not from God. God does not make people sick. I don't think God was up in heaven with his arms folded and go, let's just see how Chad and Julia handle a sick child. That would be a demented God. God does not make sickness. But when sin entered the equation in Genesis through Adam and Eve, we come into a fallen universe where there is sickness and there is sin. And by the way, that's why we have the hope of heaven, that where we go to heaven, there will be no sickness, there will be no disease, there will be no sin. Come on, anybody thankful today that, come on, if you don't get healed on this side of heaven, you're going to get healed on that side of heaven. That is the decision to say, I refuse to get bitter when I know that through God, I can get better. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I feel like telling everybody in the room, you can get better, but you got to hope in God. You got to trust that what the enemy trying to take you out with, God will turn around and use it for his glory. And I got to invite the worship team up right now because we got some baptisms going on today. But I want to just show you this photo real fast. Put up this photo. I want to just end by telling you a story. This is a beautiful photo of this wonderful family that I was able to meet just last week in Hawaii. And I just got done preaching in Hawaii and I walked off stage. I was walking outside and I could tell by the, 
by the chair and the daughter that this looked familiar. And when I walked up to them, they did not have to say a word. They didn't have to say, this, this is our daughter. She has the same diagnosis as yours. It was just obvious. And I'll never forget seeing this beautiful young girl and seeing this family. And I walked up to the mom and the dad. And, you know, when you go through pain, you, you cry a little bit easier. You just naturally are a little bit softer. And so when I saw the parents, oh, I'm going to do it right now. Whoops. I just, I began to cry. And I, I held the father and I cried with the mom and I looked down at this little girl. And when we cried, it wasn't those like, you know how when you cry with people and you could tell they're really, really butt hurt? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh God, you are so butt hurt. It was like one of those cries where it's like, we're crying, but we're okay. Like we're crying because we've been through a lot, but we're all right, you know? I don't know if it's because they're Hawaiian and Hawaiians are just happier. They live in Hawaii. It's like they're cheating. But look at her smile, man. And the dad, he's like a linebacker. He's like, oh, come here, you skinny guy. I just, I looked at this couple and I just thought to myself, God, I want to be like this. I want to be like that. They're, they're better. They're not bitter. They're not going, we showed up at church tonight because explain all this, huh? They're saying we, we go through the same thing. We went through the same issue. And look, huh? We're good. We're good, right? God's been in the midst of the storm. He's been faithful. He's been so generous. He's been so good when we were broken and hurting and the struggle was real. We found medicine that didn't just let us limp along, but it came in and it healed us. Look at our smile. Look at our smile. I just want to encourage you today. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night. But it says joy is coming in the morning. Come on, put up that verse. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. It says those who sow in tears. You don't have to use the scriptures. I know a lot about the Bible. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you with all confidence in our God, this too shall pass. Amen to that. Come on, bow your heads. Close your eyes. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for those of of those of us that are struggling today, God, can we be honest with you and say that the struggle is real, but God, we're believing that your medicine, which is you and your blood and the grace that overwhelms us and empowers us, God can touch us right now. God, I speak over every person today, God, that we will not take the bait to get bitter, but we choose you and getting better.